Welcome to the Commune Podcast and to this special masterclass with Dr. Jolene Brighton. I'm your host, Jeff Krasnow. Dr. Jolene Brighton is a functional medicine naturopathic doctor and the founder of Rubus Health, a women's medical clinic that specializes in women's hormones. She is a leading expert in post-birth control syndrome and the long-term side effects associated with hormonal contraceptives. Dr. Brighton is also the best-selling author of Beyond the Pill and a medical advisor for one of the first data-driven apps to offer women personalized birth control recommendations. Today, we are sharing an hour-long excerpt from Dr. Brighton's 10-day commune course, Balance Your Hormones. In this masterclass, Jolene walks you through your hormones from top to bottom, from the pituitary gland to your ovaries, and offers practical, actionable solutions that can serve every woman throughout her entire life cycle. If you want to watch the full course, you can find it inside of Commune Membership. Just go to onecommune.com slash trial to start a free 14-day trial. Now, whether you are looking for answers about mood swings, bloating, painful menstruation, infertility, chronic fatigue, birth control, or menopause, you will come away from Jolene's 10-day course not only more informed, but also more empowered. And on one technical note before we start the show, Jolene is going to mention a hormone balancing quiz. You can take that quiz at onecommune.com slash hormone dash quiz. That's onecommune.com slash hormone dash quiz. I'm Jeff Krasno, and I hope you enjoy this hour from Dr. Jolene Brighton's commune course, Balance Your Hormones. If you feel like your hormones are complicated, you're not alone because they are complicated. How many times have you felt dread as your period is approaching or felt at the mercy of your cravings? Maybe you found yourself canceling plans with friends, dodging text messages and crying uncontrollably to TV commercials. As women, we deal with mood swings, painful periods, bloating, and our hormones are constantly changing through our life stages, making it feel impossible to navigate. At times, it can feel like your body's betraying you. But I want you to know your body is in no way betraying you. In fact, those symptoms you dread hold the key to solving even the most complicated of hormone chaos. And in this course, I'm going to teach you how to decode your symptoms, work with your body to create blissful hormone balance. I'm talking clear skin, easier periods, less hot flashes, and better sex losing that sticky weight, getting restful sleep, and feeling, well, a whole lot more joy in your life. Yes, it can be that good when your hormones are in check. We're going to dive into our hormones so you leave knowing way more about how your body works than you probably got in sex ed class. The first step in balancing your hormones is knowing what imbalance looks like. I'm going to take a guess here and say that if you're here, it's probably because your hormones are less than optimal. When your hormones are off, you feel it. It can consume all areas of your life, your mood, your marriage, your relationships, and even your productivity. 
Hormonal imbalance can take on many forms. You might experience acne, water retention, mood swings, excessively crying or sadness, headaches, oily skin, dry skin, changes in your voice, joint pain, painful or heavy periods, irregular cycles or no cycles at all, even super light periods, although they seem like a good time, may be a sign of hormone imbalance. Take for example, 30-year-old Andrea. She came to me concerned about her oily skin and irregular cycles. She also had a really hard time losing weight. And while her symptoms were telling us pretty clearly which hormones were her primary troublemakers, we confirmed our suspicions with the same lab testing we'll be reviewing in this course. Andrea's labs revealed she had elevated levels of testosterone, making her skin oily and insulin resistance, causing her body to hold on to weight. Her lab results, along with her story, led to the diagnosis of PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Together, using the exact tools you'll learn in this course, we addressed the root cause of her PCOS and she was able to clear her skin and lose the weight that she had struggled with for years. Now, I also wanna share with you the opposite of PCOS, which is where we don't have enough hormones. There's a deficiency of hormones, as was the case with Jennifer. She was postmenopausal when she came to see me. She had dry skin, so very opposite of Andrea. And she had a complaint of drooping breast, which might feel a little silly to say, but it's a sign of low estrogen. She was also struggling with joint pain and vaginal dryness. These are also symptoms of low estrogen. And using the quiz in this course, you're going to be able to navigate and understand which hormone imbalance is true for you. Then there's the flip side, Jane, who is a 25-year-old woman who is complaining of extremely heavy, painful periods. I'm talking hot water bottle hugging, popping Midol and feeling like she couldn't leave the house most days of her cycle. But you, here's the thing. While that was a sign of excess estrogen, Jane was also experiencing acne, much like Andrea. You see, hormones can show up in a whole lot of complicated ways, but in this course, we are going to clear the waters and make it super easy for you to understand your body. So what are hormones? They're chemical messengers produced by the glands in your body. They send information to all the organ systems of the body to relay messages and exert specific actions on our tissues. Let's walk through the key glands in the body so you can have a better understanding of how your hormones operate. Starting from the top, the pituitary gland, which is found in our skull, controls almost all of the other glands in our body that are downstream from it. That is why it's referred to as the master gland. In some cases, the hypothalamus, another gland located in the brain, tells the pituitary to turn off and turn on signals. The pituitary gland in the brain is responsible for sending out many hormones that then go and stimulate our other glands to produce their hormones, such as thyroid, ovaries, and adrenal glands. So let's go through some of these pituitary hormones. The first is follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH. This stimulates the maturation of the ovarian follicles in preparation for ovulation 
basically gets an egg ready to ovulate. LH, or luteinizing hormone, is produced by the pituitary and triggers ovulation and the development of the corpus luteum, which is how we get our progesterone. ACTH and TSH, these signal the adrenal glands and the thyroid. The pineal gland, which is another gland found in the brain, produces melatonin and is responsible for our circadian rhythm as well as cyclical changes. Now coming down to your throat, you have your thyroid gland right in the front of your neck. It produces hormones that modulate our mood, our menses, and our metabolism. It also allows us to function brain fog free and ensure we poop every day. Now with your thyroid gland, the majority of thyroid hormone that is produced is inactive T4 with a little bit of T3. T3 is our active thyroid hormone, and it's what your cells actually use. That T4 your thyroid gland makes needs to be converted to T3 to be able to produce the desired effects. Coming down to your abdomen, this is where your pancreas lives. The pancreas is responsible for several roles in the body, including secreting a really important hormone called insulin. Insulin is responsible for balancing our blood sugar and storing fat in the body when we have enough energy. Your insulin and blood sugar metabolism are everything in maintaining hormone health. Your weight, chronic disease, hair loss, acne, they can all stem from blood sugar imbalances. Now as we move further down the body, and just behind you, you have your kidneys. There's two little glands that sit on top called the adrenal glands. They're responsible for producing hormones that enable us to respond to stress, maintain our blood pressure, and to some extent, take over for the ovaries when they decide to call it quits and menopause. Let's cover a few of the hormones briefly that the adrenal glands produce. The first hormone that we probably all are familiar with is cortisol. It's known as a stress hormone and it gets a bad name because it's associated with belly fat. Your adrenal glands also produce DHEA. This is an anti-aging hormone that is a precursor to estrogen and testosterone. This is why those adrenals are so important in menopause. The adrenal glands also produce epinephrine and norepinephrine, which are part of our fight or flight response. And these are released in times of high stress. You're probably familiar with the term adrenaline because that's what these hormones are and they can be a major cause of anxiety. Aldosterone is another hormone that comes from the adrenal glands and it governs your blood pressure. This is how not drinking enough water can mess with your hormones. Yep, your mom was right. Not drinking enough water is bad for your health. Now moving down the body, we find ourselves in the pelvis, which is where our ovaries live. The ovaries are a main source of production of estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone prior to menopause. So your pituitary gland signals to your ovaries to put out different amounts of these hormones depending on where you're at in your menstrual cycle. This communication between our pituitary in our brain to the ovaries is what causes ovulation and the release of an egg from the ovary. Now that we know what each gland does, let's get into the mechanics about how your menstrual cycle works. Now, you may have heard of the fifth vital sign, 
But if not, I'm going to explain it to you. You see, back in 2015, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists deemed your period the fifth vital sign. Just like your doctor checks your temperature, your pulse, respiratory rate, and blood pressure, your menstrual cycle is an important marker of your health. This is the stuff that we should have all been taught as kids, but sadly, most women haven't a clue how their body works until they want to have a baby. But you're here now, which means you'll get in the know on what sex ed should have taught you. And once you understand this, you'll come to understand just what your hormones might be telling you about your body and where your imbalances lie. There are three phases to your menstrual cycle, follicular, ovulatory, and luteal phase. You'll sometimes hear people describe the period as its own phase, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, in medicine, we only term the three phases because as you'll learn, the follicular phase is all about getting ready for the ovulatory phase. That is, even while you're still on your period, your hormones are being orchestrated for ovulation. So let's break down each phase so that you can understand the changes that are happening within your body. Day one of your cycle is the first day that you see blood. That's when your period begins, and that kicks off the follicular phase. This is triggered by a drop of estrogen and progesterone, which causes your body to shed the endometrial lining, that is the lining of your uterus. That's what your period is. Now, about days two to three of your cycle, where you're still having your period, follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH, that pituitary hormone, is beginning to rise. It does this to trigger the ovaries in producing estrogen. Now, estrogen is the main diva of the follicular cycle. And so, as you'll come to understand, she's not all bad, although she does get a bad rap when she's not kept in check. Around day eight of your cycle, estrogen levels are heightened. This causes your lady parts to plump up, giving you more pronounced curves and making your lips look fuller. It also has the added benefit of making those fine lines and wrinkles disappear just a bit. Now, around day nine or 10, you may notice that you're totally in the mood and you can't keep your hands off your partner. Well, that's because testosterone is rising at this time. Yes, we gals also produce testosterone, just in smaller quantities than our male counterparts. Now your body is super smart. It increases your testosterone and elevates your libido about five days before you ovulate so that you'll seek out a partner and have sex and then retain that sperm, which can live about three to five days. It does this in hopes that once the egg is released, you'll become pregnant. That's why despite the fact that your egg only lives about 24 hours, you're considered fertile for five to six days out of each month. Now, as we lead into days 12 through 14 approximately, your ovaries ramp up estrogen production. Estrogen spikes, which stimulates the pituitary gland to release luteinizing hormone, or LH. This LH surge triggers ovulation and an egg is released. It's during this time that the egg travels down the fallopian tube and either implants in the endometrium if it's been fertilized by sperm or slowly dissolves and passes out of the body along with the uterine lining during your period. Estrogen also stimulates the growth of uterine tissue, thickening the uterine lining for the potential implantation of an embryo or a fertilized egg. 
This is why too much estrogen causes heavy and painful periods and sometimes with lots of clots. It's the predominant hormone during the first half of the cycle, which is also known as the follicular phase, and lasts approximately days 1 through 14. The ruptured follicle, that is, what is left behind after ovulation, is called the corpus luteum now. It releases progesterone and estrogen to prepare your body for pregnancy. Progesterone is now the hormone that helps you feel chilled out and calm and in love with your life. When that is too low, women will either want to A, run into the woods and never be seen again, B, murder anyone who gets in their way, or C, do all of the above. If you find that's true for you during the week or two before your period and you can't sleep, you're feeling anxious, or you're aggravated with everyone in your life, you definitely need to get your progesterone checked. Now, following the ovulatory phase, we move into the luteal phase. Please understand that you must ovulate to make progesterone. Ovulation is that important. Now, about two weeks following ovulation, or days 15 through 28 of your cycle, is the luteal phase. Progesterone is most dominant in this phase, but estrogen is present as well. Your progesterone peaks about five to seven days after ovulation, which is why if we wanna measure progesterone, we do this on days 19 through 22 of the cycle. And at the end of all of this, if the sperm didn't find the egg, then your hormones drop. They're the lowest point of your entire cycle, and that triggers the menstrual cycle all over again. Your period starts, your brain starts talking to your ovaries, and we start with day one all over again. So that's your menstrual cycle. And men, hopefully you're watching this too, because if you understand a woman's cycle, then you'll be able to understand the women in your life so much better. Now that we've covered the menstrual cycle, I want to encourage you to start tracking. You have two pieces of homework if you still have a menstrual cycle. One is to track when you get your period, how long it lasts, and how long it takes to get to the next period. Number two is to take the hormone quiz included with this course. Know that this quiz is not a substitute for lab tests, but these findings are suggestive of different hormone imbalances. If you think that there are issues for you, you want to find a qualified naturopathic or functional medicine doctor who can help you restore your hormonal balance. The quiz looks at symptoms of high and low testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, as well as thyroid and cortisol. When you approach the quiz, I want you to think about the top five to seven symptoms you struggle with the most and that you would want to see your doctor about. These should be issues you are currently struggling with, not ones that you've had sometime before in the past. This quiz will work well if you just started menstruating, if you're in perimenopause, or you're no longer menstruating due to menopause or other issues. Now we've covered a lot today, and this is only a taste of what is to come. We'll be talking adrenal health, which is foundational to all your hormones functioning properly. Let me explain this a little bit further to help you get a sense of why this matters. I want you to visualize a pyramid, and at the base of the pyramid, you have your adrenal glands and insulin. Above that is your thyroid, and at the very tippy top are your sex hormones, 
estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Your adrenals and insulin are the foundation of your hormones, which is why stress can be so brutal for our hormonal health. Well, we all wanna jump in and start addressing the sex hormones, if your foundation isn't strong, then the pyramid is bound to crumble, or the sex hormones will just topple over. Insulin is also at the base of the pyramid because having really well-regulated blood sugar is essential for hormonal health. Elevated blood sugar can lead to insulin resistance and in turn can be the root cause of polycystic ovarian syndrome like we talked about in the beginning. Insulin can also stimulate excess androgen production. Think male sex hormones. You know, a 2016 study published in Endocrine revealed that past use of the pill, that is hormonal birth control, for more than six months significantly increased the risk of developing diabetes in postmenopausal women. Which is why if you've ever used hormonal birth control, you definitely need to get in on the insulin talk. I also want to note that non-diabetic pill users were found to have significantly elevated levels of insulin, which is a sign of insulin resistance and a risk factor for developing diabetes and heart disease. Pill users were also diagnosed with diabetes at a younger age. And we're going to dive into a whole lot more about all of this and how insulin is not the only factor that affects blood sugar. In fact, Cortisol from your adrenal glands that we talked about earlier can increase blood sugar and is pivotal in preventing diabetes. Now, as we were talking about the pyramid, we've covered the foundation. Moving up is where the thyroid gland lives. This is the second in line because our thyroid hormone affects every single cell in the body. If you have hypothyroidism or Graves, that is you have hypothyroidism, too little thyroid hormone or Graves, which is too much thyroid hormone, it's not that you're just not functioning optimally, it's that every one of your sex hormones are also going to be affected as well. In fact, hypothyroidism can be responsible for a missing period, irregular periods and infertility. This is why in my book, Beyond the Pill, I caution women from beginning hormonal birth control for symptoms without first investigating why they had them to begin with. You see, there are about 27 million people in the United States alone with thyroid disease, and it has been estimated that half don't even know they have it. Now at the very top of the pyramid, that's where our sex hormones lie. It is so important to fix the base of the pyramid and work your way up since your sex hormones are affected by your adrenals, your blood sugar, and your thyroid gland. You cannot fix one without fixing the others. All right, you officially now know more than the average woman about how your body works. Congratulate yourself because you just gifted yourself with some serious knowledge and I cannot wait for you to create incredible change with what you'll be learning in these upcoming classes. Welcome back. I am so delighted you're here. I want to remind you to take a look at your quiz results. If you scored high in either category F, too little cortisol, or category G, too much cortisol, then know you're not alone. And I've got some tools to help today. We're going to discuss that base of the pyramid that we talked about yesterday. The adrenal glands are the foundation to hormone balancing. You have two adrenal glands, 
one on top of each kidney, and they're pretty small, but they pack a big punch. If your adrenals aren't functioning at full capacity, then your thyroid might be off as well, and your sex hormones will definitely fill it. If you're already in menopause or postmenopausal, then you need to nurture your adrenal glands even more. Let's take a deep dive into the hormones that our adrenal glands produce so that we can start to get an idea of why keeping these glands happy is so important. First up is cortisol. It's a stress hormone that gets a bad reputation for contributing to belly fat. But it's not all bad. Cortisol plays a big role in immune health by modulating inflammation and immune cell function. It's also responsible for regulating blood sugar and blood pressure, making it pivotal in the prevention of diabetes and heart disease. During times of stress, cortisol increases your blood sugar to give you energy to run away from that perceived lion. Unfortunately, when there is no lion, a lot of the life stressors come down to your job, your husband, your kids that are stressing you out, and then you don't actually need that extra blood sugar to run away from anything, although you may feel like you want to. But your body cannot tell the difference. This is where the adrenal glands can contribute to anxiety. As they produce cortisol, they also produce epinephrine and norepinephrine, which are commonly known as adrenaline. When these hit the brain, your brain tries to assess the threat, only it can't see, smell, hear, or touch a lion. So in the absence of a real perceived threat, the brain can basically freak out. This sometimes leads ladies to not only feel anxious, but also experience hot flashes. Chronic excess stress also means chronic excess blood sugar, which can lead to prediabetes or diabetes. Cortisol is responsible for liberating sugar from your liver. The liver stores sugar in the form of glycogen, and when cortisol hits, it breaks it down and puts glucose into circulation. Next up is DHEA. DHEA is produced in the adrenal glands and is considered an anti-aging hormone because it diminishes wrinkles, increases energy, and enhances memory. It also reduces body fat and can improve your libido. It's been shown to be beneficial in putting autoimmune disease in remission. And it can be converted into estrogen and testosterone, which is why we lean on our adrenal glands for hormone support after the ovaries stop producing hormones in menopause. This is some super important stuff to be in the know on. In premenopausal women, the adrenal glands are responsible for producing about 5% of your sex hormones. But after menopause, when your ovaries stop pumping out estrogen and progesterone, your adrenal glands take over. Postmenopausal women see their adrenal sex hormone production rise from 5% to over 90%. This is why it's so important for women to take care of their adrenal health. When you're stressed, you produce more of the stress hormone cortisol. Now I've got to explain pregnenolone to you. This is a precursor to both cortisol and your sex hormones. I like to think of her as the mama hormone because she gives birth to all of your sex hormones. When you're stressed, the brain signals to produce cortisol at the expense of progesterone. What does this mean? Your body is choosing survival over baby making 
which makes sense because if the environment is dangerous, then you don't have the resources available for growing a small human. And running from a predator with a third trimester belly is not in your best interest. Remember that our DNA is still the same as our ancestors' DNA from thousands of years ago. We are designed to pump out stress hormones that would help us run from a lion. Let's take a look at some of the symptoms of adrenals that are out of balance. Category F of the quiz is too little cortisol. That's linked to what's commonly called adrenal fatigue, but more accurately is hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access dysregulation, or HPA dysregulation. The HPA access is the mechanism by which your body regulates your cortisol output. That is, how your adrenals and brain are talking. If you're feeling totally exhausted with a weakened immune system, you better believe that cortisol is too low. You may find that you're getting sick all the time or you have wounds that don't heal. You can also experience chronic headaches, especially waking with headaches, and it can be really hard to get out of bed in the morning, as I'll explain more about. Now, if you were checking off boxes in category G, that's too much cortisol. When your cortisol is in overdrive, you get that wired and tired feeling where your brain is going a million miles a minute, but your body is completely exhausted. This is also why women start to get belly fat and why cortisol gets a bad rap. Here are some of the common things you might experience if your adrenals are misbehaving. Difficulty waking up in the morning, fatigue or low energy that lasts the day, feeling wired and tired and unable to go to sleep at night, craving sugar, salt, and carbohydrates. You might also have significant PMS or menopausal symptoms. If you're dealing with acne and other skin problems or feeling depressed or irritable, that can also be a sign that your adrenals are unhealthy. Anxiety, as we mentioned before, or an inability to cope with stress. I'm talking feeling like every single stressor just might break you. Another sign that often goes unlooked of adrenal dysfunction is a low libido. It's not normal in anybody. So let's spend a little time on this one for a second. We can't talk about balancing hormones without talking about sex. Sex is a sign of health. Having orgasms is also healthy. And stress is one surefire way to make your libido non-existent. But sex can actually help you get your hormones back in balance. I want to dive into this HPA access dysfunction a little bit further because it's pretty common and many women aren't aware that hormonal birth control can play a part in it. Since cortisol is released in response to inflammation, anything that is inflammatory, especially chronic inflammation, can contribute to HPA dysfunction. Autoimmune disease, infections, food sensitivities, are just a few examples of what can drive inflammation up in the body. You see, there's actually been studies done where they will measure a woman's C-reactive protein, a marker of inflammation. Then they'll have her start hormonal birth control. And in some women, they find that CRP levels rise to three times the amount they were prior to beginning hormonal birth control. When inflammation goes up, it triggers your brain to basically yell at your adrenal glands and signals them to produce more cortisol to squash the inflammation. But 
If you continue to eat the food, take the pill, or not address the root cause of your inflammation, cortisol will be continually released at higher levels, which can lead to adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction. Adrenal fatigue is the more common term for HPA dysfunction. But I want you to understand that your adrenal glands do not get fatigued. They're not designed to call it quits like the ovaries do. It's simply a situation where the brain and the adrenal glands are miscommunicating. ACTH is a hormone that the pituitary uses to signal to the adrenal glands. Basically, your pituitary can scream at your adrenals and they can become unresponsive. But it can also work the other way, where your pituitary is saying, we're good, we don't need more cortisol, but your adrenal glands are doing whatever they want and pumping out hormones like crazy. If you've had any of these symptoms we've discussed here, you may wanna to talk to your doctor and look into this further by running a four-point salivary or urinary cortisol. I would also encourage you to include DHEA sulfate, which is the particular hormone we wanna look at, since it should be in balance with cortisol. If you do just a blood test, you're only going to get a value for one point in time but your cortisol is released with a specific rhythm throughout the day. You see, cortisol spikes first thing in the morning to wake you up. It's highest around 6 a.m. and then lowest right before bed. So cortisol spikes first thing in the morning and then it begins its decline throughout the day. You may get a second wind in the afternoon and then in the evening it should be at its lowest, opposite of melatonin. In the evening, when it becomes dark, our body is signaled to start producing melatonin, which opposes cortisol. This is what helps you sleep at night and wake feeling rested in the morning. It's also a very important antioxidant for brain and ovarian health. But sometimes what we see is that the curve is reversed. This is actually very common in people who are night shift workers or what I like to call the new mom curve, when a baby basically trains you to be awake at night and so we see cortisol is low in the morning and it's spiking at night, which may be a reason for having difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, having hot flashes and night sweats at night, and waking feeling groggy and unrefreshed in the morning. Now that you know what the adrenals do and what it might look like if they're out of balance, let's talk about how you can take care of your adrenal glands. As always, make sure to talk to your doctor before starting a new supplement or exercise routine, but I do wanna share some supplements that I have found to be tremendously helpful in my clinical practice. The first is a quality B-complex vitamin, and more specifically, B5, which is pantothenic acid. It's an essential nutrient for adrenal health to ensure your body can make enough cortisol. 100 milligrams daily is about the typical dose, and I encourage people to take this as part of a B-complex vitamin. Food sources include sunflower seeds, beef liver, and wild-caught trout. Now, another very important nutrient is vitamin C. Your adrenal glands are one of the areas with the highest concentration of vitamin C in the body. Typically, we recommend anywhere from 1,000 to 4,000 milligrams daily in divided doses. Some of the best food sources of vitamin C include citrus fruits like lemon and grapefruit, strawberries, but you'll also find vitamin C in broccoli 
and it's really highly concentrated in bell peppers. The next nutrient I want you to know about is magnesium. We typically aim from anywhere from 150 to 600 milligrams of magnesium daily, depending on the person's need. You can find magnesium in many nuts, like Brazil nuts and cashews, and it's also found in leafy green vegetables, like spinach. But I have to tell you, our food supply isn't as rich as it used to be in magnesium. So this is a good one to supplement with. I typically recommend magnesium bisglycinate as it's highly absorbable and doesn't cause issues with the bowels like the citrate form of magnesium can. There's also a lot of great adaptogenic herbs that you can start to incorporate in your daily routine. Adaptogens are a group of herbs that are known for their enhancement of adrenal function, immunity, physical, and mental endurance. They work by way of the HPA axis that we already discussed, how your brain and adrenals talk, and the other hormones that your adrenal glands produce. Here are some of my favorites that you may want to consider. Number one is maca. It acts on the adrenal glands to help you have more energy and vitality, while also supporting healthy estrogen and testosterone levels. The next one up is Siberian ginseng also known as Eleutherococcus or Eleuthero as we generally call it. It's known for improving energy, stamina, focus, and concentration. It helps eliminate fatigue and support the immune system. People also experience benefits with improved memory and mental alertness and reduced insomnia. Be sure to take this herb before noon to ensure a good night's sleep. Goat cola is another one of my favorite herbs, and it can be leveraged if you've been under constant stress or stress is about to ramp up in your life. It will help keep your adrenal glands healthy while you work on decreasing whatever is overstimulating them. Rhodiola is hands down one of my favorite herbs. It helps balance cortisol output, reduce the effects of stress, and improves resiliency. I refer to it as the endurance herb because research has shown it helps with not only physical endurance in athletes, but mental endurance as well. It improves your energy, lowers anxiety and inflammation, and supports your immune system overall. As an added bonus, rhodiola also supports healthy progesterone. Now, I do want you to know that you shouldn't take it without supervision if you have a history of depression or bipolar disorder. Let's talk about ashwagandha now. Ashwagandha is an amazing little herb that I like to say puts the hush on cortisol. And it brings a deep sense of calm. If you feel that wired and tired sensation at night like we talked about, this herb can be especially helpful at bedtime. It also reduces inflammation and oxidative stress that is free radicals attacking your cells. It can help you improve your anxiety symptoms, your sleep, memory, energy, and libido. Research has shown that it also may reduce heavy bleeding during your period and eliminate uterine fibroids with long-term use. Another great herb that can help support a healthy nervous system and promotes parasympathetic activity, that is the rest and digest part of your nervous system, is passionflower. Passionflower is a great herb for someone that has a restless mind. It can help reduce anxiety and calm the mind so that you fall asleep easier.
we're talking about adrenal health, then we have to talk about nutrition. Balancing your blood sugar throughout the day will help ensure that excess cortisol is not released to regulate your blood sugar if it drops. Protein is absolutely essential for maintaining healthy levels of blood sugar throughout the day. So I want you to make sure that you're getting at least a palm size of protein with each meal or a quarter cup of nuts if you're selecting a plant-based protein. Fats are also excellent at helping you maintain your blood sugar. Good fats like avocado, coconut oil, olive oil, and omega-3 fatty acids from wild-caught cold-water fish are essential for not only hormone production, but also to help stabilize your blood sugar throughout the day. Now, when we talk about blood sugar, I want you to know carbohydrates are not bad, but we do wanna keep carbohydrates at a moderate amount and cutting out all processed carbohydrates, including sugars and sugary beverages, will help prevent spikes in blood sugar that can lead to insulin surges, followed by blood sugar crashes. Whenever possible, opt to get your carbohydrates from plant sources. Things like sweet potatoes and squash are excellent sources of carbohydrates while also providing you with a whole lot of nutrients. When you approach your plate and you actually go to fill your plate with food, aim to make half the plate vegetables. That way you're ensuring you're getting lots of fiber-rich foods that will ensure healthy production of hormones and elimination of hormones your body no longer needs. We talked about nutrition and supplements, but we also need to touch on lifestyle practices. Meditation and mindfulness practices can help reduce cortisol release and are like a life vest for struggling adrenal glands. Adding a bunch of supplements may be helpful, but we always have to ask, what is the root cause of these adrenal issues? It is likely excess chronic stress, so dealing with the root cause is essential. You cannot out-supplement a poor diet and lifestyle, which is why you must be looking at what you put on your plate at the end of your fork and how you are handling the stress in your life. One study found that yoga acts at the level of the hypothalamus, which is the H of the HPA axis, to lower cortisol production from the adrenal glands. If you can get outside first thing in the morning so your eyes are exposed to sunlight, this will also help boost cortisol and shut down melatonin so that you can regulate your circadian rhythm. Don't worry if you can't actually see the sun, those rays of light are still there. And when you are viewing them, they will trigger the brain to start the cascade to optimize your cortisol production throughout the day. We aren't gonna go into too much depth surrounding circadian rhythm and sleep practices because Dr. Bruce, the sleep doctor, already did that in a course called Sleep Better. And he went so in depth about the circadian rhythm that I wouldn't be able to do it justice here in such a short amount of time. So if this is something you need to work on, then definitely go check out his course. I also wanna remind you to be kind to yourself. No joke, there have been studies to show that the way we talk to ourselves influence our hormones and inflammation. In fact, there was a study that showed talking kind to yourself was more effective than meditation in lowering inflammation. Now, don't eye roll with me on this one, but I want you to try walking. 
Walking is an amazing stress-reducing practice because it involves cross-body action. That is, your arms and your legs are moving in a way that allows both lobes of your brain to integrate. This helps you use your logical mind and your creative mind to problem solve and to release that stress from your body. If you're feeling stressed, give your body what it needs, movement. Remember, your body is perceiving there is threat in the environment, something like a lion. So doing some jump squats, riding a bike, and moving big muscles can be a great way to move stress out of your body. Lastly, I want to remind you to become a human being, not a human doing. We do not need to fill every single second of our day with activities. Having downtime and the ability to just rest and be is so pivotal to your hormonal health that I want that to be your big homework for today. Now, the last thing we need to touch on with adrenal dysfunction is the use of bioidentical hormone replacement for postmenopausal women. I want to mention it here because it can be really helpful for women who have hormonal symptoms like hot flashes or mood changes in perimenopause and menopausal years. You see, BHRT can take some of the stress off your adrenal glands while you do all of the things that we mentioned before. Providing the body with hormones will give the adrenal glands a little break while the stress management techniques and nutritional changes kick in. Helping with adrenal function is only one of the many benefits of BHRT. I do want to note that cortisol replacement therapy is only used in extreme cases and should only be done under the supervision of your doctor. So that's not what we're talking about here. Now this topic is near to my heart because I have Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. And before I got diagnosed and started implementing the tools I'm teaching you today, I was a wreck. I'm talking weight gain, exhaustion despite sleeping like 15 plus hours, joint pain, depression, wicked dry skin, and hair loss that couldn't be stopped. Now if any of this is resonating with you or someone you love, get ready because we're gonna take a deep dive into this one and when you walk away, you're going to have a much greater understanding of your thyroid health. Today, we are moving up the pyramid to the thyroid gland. This means that if you're super stressed and your adrenals are struggling, this can drag down the health of your thyroid as well. And if your thyroid isn't functioning optimally, every single cell in your body will feel it, including your ovaries. Are we starting to get how important adrenal health is in the scheme of hormones? I hope so, because girl, they are everything. The thyroid gland is a small butterfly-shaped gland that sits on your neck. It sets your metabolic rate in your body and has an impact on every single cell in your body. That means every system is touched by this hormone because every cell has a receptor and is primed to dock this hormone. How common are thyroid conditions? Well, the American Thyroid Association estimates that more than 27 million Americans have thyroid disease. In fact, one in five women and one in 10 men have low thyroid function. But unfortunately, more than half are walking around with no idea that they have a thyroid condition. And if you're a woman, you are five to eight times more likely than a man to develop thyroid disease. 
Now, within the United States, the number one cause of low-functioning thyroid or hypothyroidism is an autoimmune condition known as Hashimoto's thyroiditis or autoimmune thyroiditis. Now, this means that your body's immune system attacks its own thyroid gland. Well, research is working hard to understand just why us ladies are so susceptible to this autoimmune condition, it's pretty clear our hormones are in play. All right, let's take a tour of your thyroid hormone so that you can understand how this system works. It starts with TSH, or thyroid stimulating hormone. This is what your brain tells your thyroid gland. Your thyroid then in response secretes T4, which is inactive thyroid hormone, and a little bit of T3, which is our active thyroid hormone. Now, we depend on peripheral tissues, that is main sites like your gut and your liver and your kidneys, to convert T4, again inactive, to active T3, which tells your cells to ramp up your metabolism and gives you energy throughout the day. But this hormone is about a whole lot more than metabolism. Thyroid hormone is also needed for optimal cognitive function, which is why if you have low thyroid output, you can have brain fog or even depression. And on the flip side, if you're putting out too much thyroid hormone, you can feel anxious, restless, maybe even gritting your teeth. Thyroid hormone is also needed for gut function. In fact, when people are hypothyroid or do not have enough of that active T3, they can have symptoms like constipation and bloating. And we've got to talk about constipation for just a minute because pooping is super important. If you aren't having a bowel movement every day, then you may not have enough thyroid hormone and you're also not excreting your estrogen that your body no longer needs. That's right, you need to poop every day to get your estrogen out. Your liver breaks down estrogen and then sends it out to be excreted through urine and your feces or your stool. If your bowels aren't operating properly or you have low thyroid altogether, it will put a wrench in the gears of this system and make it so that you end up with more estrogen than your body was planning on dealing with. So how important is thyroid hormone for gut health? Thyroid hormone is responsible for moving your intestines so that you have normal bowel movements daily. It's also important for gallbladder function and having optimal hydrochloric acid, that is stomach acid production. And this is how we break down and we assimilate or absorb our nutrients from our food. Did you know that people with hypothyroidism are also more likely to have SIBO, which is known as small intestinal bacterial overgrowth? Symptoms of SIBO are either constipation, diarrhea, or a combination of both and bloating is almost always present. There was a small study that found that 54% of individuals with hypothyroidism had a positive SIBO breath test, while only 5% of people without hypothyroidism were positive. So what are some other symptoms of low thyroid function? Well, if you took the quiz, you probably already discovered some of these, but I wanna go a little bit deeper here. The thyroid plays a big role in our metabolism and regulating our temperature. So if you're always running cold, your body temperature below 97.7, or you're having trouble losing weight despite eating well and exercising, or you just can't explain the weight that you're gaining, that's a good time to make sure that your thyroid is functioning optimally. 
Additionally, people who have low heart rates, so below 60 beats per minute, can actually have hypothyroidism driving that symptom. Now there's other reasons for low heart rate. For instance, endurance athletes naturally have slow heart rates because of their conditioning. But if you're not an athlete and you have a low heart rate, it's worth getting checked by your doctor to ensure there's nothing else going on. Other signs that would tell your doctor you may have hypothyroidism is delayed reflexes. So, you know, when your doctor taps your knee, you might not respond in quite the same way. What you may notice or friends and family might comment on are changes in your voice. Perhaps it becomes deep and gravelly. It can almost sound a little bit like smoker's voice, which is not normal, but that's actually a sign that your thyroid is too low. And what happens there is that you have sugars deposit on your vocal cords, but don't worry, it's reversible once you take steps to correct the underlying issue. Now, if you are struggling with hypothyroidism, then fatigue is no stranger to you. You also probably are having issues with brain fog and losing your keys, which can be a sign of memory loss. Your hair is probably changing as well. Thinning hair, hair loss, noticing that your hair is dry, brittle, or maybe your nails are splintering and cracking can all be signs of suboptimal thyroid levels. And if you're experiencing period problems of any kind, like we talked about previously, we definitely wanna check your thyroid. And a regular menstrual cycle can be a sign of hypothyroidism. And in fact, the same mechanism that causes that thyroid stimulating hormone to increase also causes a hormone called prolactin to increase, which we typically only see in lactating or breastfeeding mothers, but that will shut down your period and can be a cause of infertility. But what about if you have too much thyroid hormone? Well, in the case of hyperthyroidism, you would notice that you're losing weight. You can't make any rhyme or reason out of why that weight is just shedding effortlessly. So unexplained weight loss and experiencing symptoms of heat intolerance, maybe you're sweating excessively or finding that you're the hottest person in the room, can be signs of excess thyroid hormone, as can a sped up heart rate or racing heart. In fact, when there's too much thyroid hormone, you can feel like your heart's going to pound right out of your chest and you're feeling incredibly anxious. This also leads to disruption of sleep. In fact, some people with hyperthyroidism will find that they're operating on four hours of sleep because they have such bad insomnia. Hair loss is another symptom of too much thyroid hormone. And unlike hypothyroidism, which can present with constipation, hyper, or the excess, usually tends to show itself with loose stools or diarrhea. Now the same as hypothyroidism, we can see these menstrual irregularities. So maybe your cycle has become completely unpredictable. If you have some of these symptoms, then you definitely need to talk to your doctor about getting your thyroid hormones tested. And we're going to go through the exact testing you should ask your doctor for. So remember TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, how your brain talks to your thyroid? This is often the only test that doctors will run to evaluate thyroid hormone. But the problem is, is this is just what your brain is saying to your thyroid. It's not the full picture. So let's go through what a full thyroid panel should include. So number one is TSH. Now, normally we see a reference range on labs that will say a TSH between 0.45 to 4.5 is normal. 
Although that is actually a huge range, and I think it's important for you to understand that this reference range is set on the average population going in and having this lab testing done, which means this reference range is set on a sick population. So does that mean that if your value is 4.4 that you're perfectly normal? No. And that's why we take it a step further and we do more comprehensive testing so that we can have the full picture. Just because your brain is telling your thyroid to produce hormone doesn't necessarily mean your thyroid is listening and keeping up with the demand, which is why we need to also check free hormones. Free hormones are what your body and your cells can actually utilize. Yes, you can check total thyroid hormone, but those are bound to proteins. That's why we're gonna talk now about free T3 and free T4. Free T4 is what's secreted from the thyroid gland. And that is what needs to be converted into free T3. So we need to check TSH, what your brain says to your thyroid, how your thyroid responds by secreting T4, and how well you're converting T4 to T3 to understand if you have enough active thyroid hormone so that you feel well. Now you can have a normal TSH and a normal T4, but have issues with your conversion, which is why I'm gonna to talk to you a bit more about other testing that your doctor can do. Number one is reverse T3. Reverse T3 is what I call the hibernation hormone. It docks onto the cellular receptor where your free T3 should go, and instead of helping your metabolism, your energy, your mood, it really makes you like a bear in winter. You wanna gain weight, you get super cranky, and you may even be cold, and you wanna isolate. You don't wanna be around other people. This is why I call it the hibernation hormone. So you may convert your T4 into reverse T3, and the only way to know that is to test. Now there are two thyroid tests that I feel every woman should have tested annually as part of her screening exam. This is the TPO, or thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and thyroglobulin antibodies. These are both markers for Hashimoto's. Remember, that's the number one cause of hypothyroidism in the United States, and women are disproportionately at higher risk for this condition. Just because your antibodies were negative at one point in your life doesn't mean they can't be turned on at any other point in your life. So it's important to screen this. So often, these markers, specifically the antibodies, will show up abnormal, sometimes years, if not a decade, before we see abnormal changes in the thyroid. So if you know that an autoimmune condition can be driving your hypothyroidism, you'll wanna take extra care of yourself in terms of stress reduction and lowering levels of inflammation in the body, both of which can lead to autoimmune conditions. The good news is, you already got the tools to do that within the adrenal class. Okay, so you get a full thyroid panel and your doctor may say, well, your labs are normal, but you're thinking, I feel anything but normal. This is when we have to talk about what normal really means. Because in naturopathic medicine, we don't strive to be not sick. We're looking for optimal levels. So the optimal range that we should see TSH fall between is 0.5 to 2.5. If your TSH is higher than 2.5, it can be a sign that your thyroid is not functioning at its best. And it may mean that you also need to begin a medication or address a root cause that's driving the thyroid dysfunction. 
Now, if your TSH is above 2.5 and you're considering that you would like to become pregnant, this is definitely a consideration to start a thyroid medication. That's because specifically T4 is needed for the maturation of baby's brain. In fact, that T4 will cross the placenta and it will nourish baby until baby's own thyroid takes over in the second trimester. Now, how important is this? Well, there have been studies done on cohorts of children whom mothers had inadequate thyroid hormone during pregnancy. What they found was significant deficits in cognitive and motor skills, even up to age 16. It's also associated with a higher risk of miscarriage, of preeclampsia, and other pregnancy complications. So if you know you have a thyroid condition, you have a family history of a thyroid condition, or you just found out you're pregnant, it's a good time to go see your doctor and have this thyroid panel run. Now, if you've just had a baby, it's also important to get your thyroid screened. Postpartum thyroiditis impacts one in 12 women worldwide. That is, you developed an autoimmune condition that leads to hypothyroidism. The tricky thing is, it can look a lot like postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and you may think it's a good thing when the baby weight starts to fall away, only to find out that you're in an autoimmune flare after having given birth. When it comes to thyroid medication, I like to call it Cinderella's glass slipper because there is no one size fits all for everyone. Now, within the spectrum, we have synthetic thyroid hormone, like Synthroid, which is synthetic T4. If you are given this medication, please remember you have to convert T4 to T3. And I'm gonna share some tips on how to do that today. There's also synthetic T3, which commonly goes by Cytomel. These can replace both T4 and T3 in the body. However, some people don't do so well with these and instead they opt for what is called a natural desiccated thyroid hormone. Some examples are WP Thyroid, Naturethroid, and Armor. They're a combination of T4 and T3 derived from the thyroid gland of a pig, and they also contain a little bit of T1 and T2. Right now, the research says, we don't know what T1 and T2 do in the body. However, your thyroid makes it, which may very well be why some people tend to do better on natural desiccated thyroid hormone than others. In my clinical experience working with thousands of women, most women do best on natural desiccated thyroid hormone. So if you've been prescribed a synthetic thyroid hormone and you're not feeling well, maybe a good time to have a conversation with your doctor about other options that are available. Now, do you need to be on thyroid medication forever? Not necessarily. In some instances, if you address the root cause of your thyroid disorder, you may be able to come off of the medication but I really want you to understand that thyroid hormone is non-negotiable, okay? You cannot live without thyroid hormone, so as a bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, it is crucial to your health. But let's talk about how else you can support your thyroid gland. Your thyroid requires a few key nutrients to produce thyroid hormone and to convert T4 to active T3. 
Now, we've all heard of iodine, and yes, iodine is essential to thyroid health. However, we don't need quite as much as some people think. In fact, the range is usually 150 to 300 micrograms, and I encourage people to really focus on getting iodine from food sources, like kelp and fish, for example, are excellent sources of iodine. Too much iodine can actually cause an autoimmune thyroid flare. That means if you already have autoimmune disease, or if you don't know that you have it, and you take iodine, you could find yourself feeling a whole lot worse. Now, this tends to be most problematic when there's a selenium deficiency. And do you know which food is perfect to deliver both selenium and iodine? It's fish which if you choose cold water fish, it will also be rich in omega-3 fatty acids, which will allow your cells to be healthier and accept thyroid hormone at the cellular level. I wanna spend a little more time talking about selenium, and I also wanna bring in zinc, because these are two big nutrients that are essential for thyroid health. Zinc is required to get thyroid hormone and cell receptors talking to one another and they need to talk to each other to produce the effect on our tissues. If you have ever been on hormonal birth control, it's important for you to know that the pill is notorious for depleting key nutrients that your thyroid needs to function, including selenium and zinc. So if you have a history of ever using hormonal birth control, odds are you're deficient in these nutrients. To make sure your thyroid is getting enough zinc and selenium, you can start right now by making sure you're eating foods that are rich in these essential nutrients. Zinc can be found in shellfish, especially oysters and red meat. Unfortunately, the zinc you might find in whole grains, legumes, and nuts are not as bioavailable because it's bound to a molecule known as phytic acid. Selenium is often something that's recommended as a supplement at a daily dose of 200 micrograms. That's because it's been shown to not only be beneficial for thyroid hormone production, but it also can help put autoimmunity into remission. You can add organ meats to your diet like kidneys, beef heart, liver, and bone marrow, seafood like fish and shellfish that we've been talking about, Brazil nuts, and animal proteins to your diet. Since roughly 90% of hypothyroidism is due to Hashimoto's, an autoimmune thyroid disorder, then targeting your immune system and inflammation is another big area that you can support for better thyroid health. In cases like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is much more common than Graves' disease, your immune system is literally destroying your thyroid gland. There is mounting evidence that gluten drives this attack on your thyroid. There are three ingredients it really takes to develop an autoimmune condition. One is your genetics. So if you already have the genes or the family history, then you're predisposed to developing this condition. The second is intestinal hyperpermeability, more commonly known as leaky gut. And the third is a triggering event, which could be a car accident, losing your job or a loved one, or eating a food that triggers your immune system to attack your thyroid. Which food does this best? Well, there's mounting evidence to show that a molecule known as gliadin found within gluten products can enter your bloodstream via your gut and drive the attack on your thyroid.
This process is known as molecular mimicry. And what happens is, is that your immune system creates antibodies to gliadin, except that that gliadin molecule looks enough like your thyroid tissue that those antibodies then dock onto the thyroid, telling the immune system, this is not us, it's time to attack this tissue. Essentially, every time you eat gluten, your body produces antibodies to gliadin, and it can trigger or continue the attack on your thyroid. Many of my patients have lowered their antibody levels and reduced their uncomfortable symptoms through dietary practices like eliminating gluten and bringing in foods that help heal the intestinal lining, like collagen, bone broth, and even herbs like slippery elm can be really beneficial to healing and repairing the intestines. Another way that you can help your thyroid function at its best is to support your adrenal glands. Remember, our adrenal health is pivotal to our thyroid health. And if you're in perimenopause or you've already made the transition into menopause, then your adrenals are already working overtime. And if you are on birth control at all, or like most women for a large part of your life, then you may also be depleted in key nutrients that your thyroid needs to function optimally. Some of which we've already reviewed in both the adrenal and this thyroid class. So you get what I'm saying. It's a perfect storm when you have high stress, assault on your gut like gluten can do, and you're not getting adequate nutrients to fuel your thyroid. All right, so today, go get some oysters, Brazil nuts, draw yourself a bath, take your nature walk, and enjoy yourself. Remember how we discussed the impact of stress on progesterone? If not, go back and rewatch that video because it's that important. As it turns out, you need progesterone to use thyroid hormones at the cellular level. All of your hormones are connected. <laughs> As a young child, I actually had incredibly painful and debilitating periods. I'm talking bleeding more than seven days and writhing on the ground in pain, hugging a hot water bottle and popping Midol every chance that I got. And so I very much was convinced that being a woman was inherently awful and that my period was my body's way of betraying me. Now the funny thing is, is that when I went to medical school, I actually thought I was gonna be interested in gut health and that's what I was going to focus on which is a good thing that I did because gut health is everything and hormones. But I made this observation while I was there, and it's that most of the time, women's medicine is done to them instead of with them. And it really wasn't until my first year in medical school that I came to understand how my hormones worked and really how my body operated. And I had this epiphany that you shouldn't have to go to medical school to understand that you're only fertile one day out of the month and that your period symptoms are actually a sign of something significant that's imbalanced in your body. So when my doctor offered me birth control, I was like, sign me up. He said I didn't have to have painful periods anymore, and in fact, if I didn't want to have a period, that was okay too. I spent years actually shutting down my period and thinking I was so clever because I was in control of my hormones. But what I really wish someone would have told me is that those painful periods were actually a sign that I probably needed magnesium and was eating too many omega-6 fatty acids in my diet. And that why they were so long is because I had estrogen dominance. And this is really important because what shows up in a 17-year-old gal as heavy, long, and painful periods 
can show up as things like fibroids, infertility, and even breast cancer later in life. Fortunately, I had a background in nutritional biochemistry, which I partnered with what I was learning in naturopathic medical school to be able to restore my period, clear my skin, and make friends with my hormones. That's when I realized that my period and my body was in no way betraying me. In fact, when I was able to work with my body and accept that being a woman actually came with some credible superpowers. When I went to my doctor with concerns that I had lost my period after birth control and suddenly had acne, his suggestion was to go right back on birth control, and he even told me I probably had PCOS all along. But this wasn't right, because I had had predictable periods before starting birth control, something that women with PCOS never experience. What he told me next was, I must be misremembering my period. But I'll let you know, when you count down your period like doomsday is coming every month, you know that your period is regular. It wasn't until I got into clinical practice that I started to identify I wasn't the only woman struggling with symptoms after birth control. In fact, the majority if not all of women struggle when they break up with birth control for good. I got the reputation being the doctor who believed women's hormone and hormonal birth control stories which propelled me into the data to look at what the science was saying about women's hormones, about hormonal birth control, and what happens when we transition off, which led me to develop protocols that support women at every phase of life, whether they choose to go on hormonal birth control, they've never been on it, or they're ready to come off, whether a baby is or is not on the agenda. I'm so passionate about putting the medicine in your hands and teaching you that you do have the ability to heal that I authored the book Beyond the Pill, which is about providing root cause solutions to common hormone imbalances and looks at how to support your body beyond using pharmaceutical interventions. I went on to develop a course with Commune called Balance Your Hormones, which will enable you to take the reins of your hormonal health and drive that chariot like the goddess you are. Thank you for joining this class with Dr. Jolene Brighton. If any of this information sparked your curiosity, I encourage you to explore the full Balance Your Hormones program with a free trial of Commune membership. Just go to onecommune.com trial to get started. As Jolene says in the introduction to her course, women have to honor the fact that we are cyclical creatures, and that's actually an amazing thing. By understanding our hormones, we can leverage the superpowers we bring to the table. I hope you continue your journey and learn how to tap into those superpowers. Thanks for learning and for growing with Commune. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you.